Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We've got another great show for you today with the Major League Baseball draft coming up here in a couple of days. We wanted to bring on a couple of scouts who signed players who recently became big leaguers. Take us through that process because a lot of times we see guys as they get to the majors and what the final product is there, but they all came from somewhere and it's uh, always good to catch up with some scouts who signed guys who ended up becoming big leaguers. Uh, first, we're going to welcome in Tim Kostick, who is a scout with the Astros. He signed Garrett Stubbs out of USC back in 2015. Stubbs made his major league debut with the Astros uh, earlier this week and had a double off of John Lester in his first at bat. We're also going to speak with Junie Melendez, who was an Indians area scout in the Midwest. He signed Zach Polisak, who made his major league debut this week as well with uh, five and a third innings against the Red Sox in Fenway Park. We're very excited to have both of these scouts on. Uh, starting with Tim, Tim uh, has been with the Astros for a uh, long time now, back uh, into last decade. He signed Vince Velasquez, who is now a pitcher with the Phillies. Uh, he signed Rio Ruiz, who is now a third baseman with the Orioles. And Garrett Stubbs is his first big leaguer to come up and uh, make his debut with the Astros, the team that drafted him. We're pleased to be joined now by Tim Kostick from his L.A. area home. Tim, first of all, congratulations on, on signing another big leaguer in Garrett Stubbs. Just what was your reaction when you heard he got the call? Uh, first thing, I appreciate appreciate you having me today. Um, it was exciting. You know, I knew, uh, we knew he was on the verge. It was going to take something like Staffy or somebody else uh, going down. And unfortunately, that did happen to Max. And Garrett was there and able to, uh, to step right in. And, uh, you know, when, when I got the text uh, that he was getting called up, uh, it's almost like it's almost like your own son uh, being called up. Uh, this is this is why you do it, um, and, and to see him get called up was exciting. And then for him to have the debut that he had was uh, just kind of icing on the cake. Absolutely, had a, a single and a double in his uh, debut. Did you get a chance to watch his first at bats? I did. I had it on. I was standing right in front of the TV, and I actually watched the whole game. So uh, yeah, it was it was exciting. I was just hoping he got enough of that first one to get it over the. Uh, to left fielder's head, and uh, fortunately that ball did drop, and not a bad way to start your career, getting a hit, uh, not only off of a, a left-hander, but a left-hander and, and John Lester. So pretty exciting way for Garrett to get it going. Absolutely. I do have to ask, when you saw that first hit, was there uh, an audible yelp? Is there a fist bump? Like, what, what's that action? Uh, it was more about, uh, I think I was yelling just, you know, get over his head, get over his head, get over his head. Um, and that was pretty much it, you know. And then, like, you know, the, the TV panned to his parents. I got to see their reaction, and his brother CJ see his reaction. Uh, and it was exciting, you know, not, not only for myself, but obviously extremely exciting for the family. You know, they've been waiting for this. It's a baseball family. Um, I, I can't imagine the feeling that, that his parents and his brother had. Definitely an, an incredible moment, and it's only the start of Garrett Stubbs' career, but it's 
kind of in some ways uh, the, the final flourish to what had been a long amateur career. How early on did you kind of identify Garrett, uh, whether that was his senior year, his junior year, or even as an underclassman at USC? Yeah, I think the first time I actually took note of Garrett was actually his sophomore year. It was the fall of his sophomore year. I walked in, and he was actually playing shortstop in an inter-squad game. Um, and I think that right there speaks to his athleticism, uh, his potential versatility down the road. Um, you know, he may be able to play some other positions as he continues his, his major league career. Uh, so that was the first time I saw him. Uh, in subsequent uh, inter-squad games, I also saw him play center field. I saw him play second base. And then ultimately, his junior year, where he caught the majority of the games, is really when we started to take notice. Um, not only was he starting to get physically stronger, uh, he had a very attractive skill set as far as his catch and throw ability. I mean, he's, yeah, he was on the Lillard side. It's always been the knock on Garrett. It's always going to be the knock. But his skill set behind the plate and his athleticism really stuck out to you. I mean, he would show you plus arm at times, extremely athletic for the position, able to move around real well. He had extremely good hands. He did a really good job handling the staff. And truth be told, um, you know, we signed him as a senior in 15. In 2014, we actually tried to take him then. Um, and he declined. He wanted to go back. He wanted to pursue his degree, which obviously I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, so fortunately, back into the draft in 15, and we were able to, uh, to nab him in the, in the eighth round. Yeah, you mentioned seeing him catch behind the plate. You saw the skills, and you're right. People have always focused on the size. One of the things that jumped out to me when I saw him in the fall league a few years ago was, yes, he was smaller, but it just meant he was able to get down and block pitches a lot faster. He was able to set that low target a lot better. It actually seemed like it was an advantage for him. I would, I would agree with you. Um, you know, some pitchers don't necessarily like throwing to the smaller target, and I think Garrett's done a very good job of that, making himself a little bit bigger and watching his debut on TV. It was USC, he really folded up extremely small. And, you know, again, I, I'm not sure that all pitchers like throwing to that smaller target. But as far as his blocking ability, uh, his lateral movement, he's extremely good at that. And, and he runs well for, uh, for a catcher, too. Uh, he moves around. Again, it's just a testament to his athletic ability. And while he gets knocked for his size, I think one thing that will uh, never be questioned is Garrett's heart. So what he lacks in size, he makes up for in heart. Uh, he plays extremely hard. I've never had anybody tell me that, you know, we need to kick this guy in the butt and get him going. He's not playing hard today. That's never going to happen with Garrett Stubbs. I mean, this kid plays all out. Um, you know, and he's got a solid tool set, but this kid's a grinder. And obviously, the senior sign, uh, when organizations take these guys, they've got to prove themselves at every level. And the knock on Garrett was, hey, he was undersized, he's a catch and throw guy. How much bad is there going to be with the wood in his hands? Well, he, at every step of the left, uh, every step of the way, he kind of proved everybody wrong. He went home in the offseason. He trains extremely hard. He tries to put on weight. He's gotten himself to the point now where he's much stronger. And he's handling the bat well. And, again, despite his size, he, he can hit the ball with some authority. Never going to be mistaken for a power hitter. But he's much stronger now than he was in, in college. And it shows him as a bat now. You know, he's not going to be overwhelmed by anybody. not going to be overwhelmed by velocity. He can get to it. And, and he can hit the ball, drive the ball, field with authority. So, uh yeah, we're really excited to have him. Um, you know, love the kid and uh, just excited he finally got an opportunity to make his debut. You mentioned all those questions on him. Anytime you sign a player, it's your name on him, your ultimate responsibility. What were the things you saw in him at USC to give you faith that 
you know, he wouldn't get the bat knocked out of his hands uh, in pro ball holding wood or that he would be able to, you know, have enough durability to catch at, at least in a, in a you know, half a season, let alone a full season. What did you see that gave you that confidence? You know, I never really questioned you know, the durability per se um, as far as the catching piece went. You know, he caught just about every single game as a senior. And granted, it's not the same grind as running out there in a, in a professional season. But he was out there, and he got knocked around a little bit, take foul tips here and there. But he always found a way to grind himself through it. Um, you know, the biggest question I thought was the bat. But I also thought that if this kid had an opportunity to go home every offseason and get in the gym and work hard, um, he's going to be able to put on enough, ba- enough weight to uh, sustain his strength through the course of a full season and be able to impact the baseball. And there were times, even in college, yeah, his home runs didn't home run numbers didn't show, but uh, he would show you some decent exit velocities off the bat head. Um, so I, I thought that it would come. I always thought he would hit enough to get to the big leagues, and uh, you know, as did the rest of our staff. Um, and he is uh, he's proven us right. From an area scout's perspective, you've, you've signed a couple of big leaguers before. Vince Velasquez, who's now a pitcher with the Phillies, and Rio Ruiz, who, who's now a third baseman with the Orioles. You signed both of those guys, and they were high schoolers who went on to become big leaguers. How's, from an area scout's perspective, how different is the process in, in signing a collegian who becomes a big leaguer? And can you take us through kind of the, the differences and assessments you have to make there? I think really with, with the high school kids, you're, you're projecting a lot more. We took, we took Vince Velasquez uh, in the second round, and Vince was a two-way player. Um, you know, you're dreaming on this guy. You know, he didn't throw extremely hard at the time. He would touch the 93s. Um, it was still a little bit robbed. He showed field the pitch. You always thought he would throw harder. He had a body that, that looked like it would fill out. Um, Rio, same type of thing, dual sport guy, football player coming into baseball. Um, but it was a left-handed bat. He had power. You thought there would be power in there. He hasn't necessarily gotten to it at this point, but I still think it's in there. But a guy like Garrett, as a senior, you know, there's not nearly as much projection. It's more of what you see is what you get. Um, but I, like I said, I, I still thought there was some projection in his body. He was still going to be able to carry a little bit more weight and gain strength. So I think that's the biggest difference in scouting these, these collegiate players and the high school guys is the high school kids are dreaming a lot more and these these collegiate players are a little bit more of a finished product. Absolutely. In terms of Garrett, you mentioned you first saw him as a sophomore. You tried to draft him as a junior. He obviously uh, elected to go back to school. Was there a singular moment where you said, yes, this is a guy I want to draft? Because there is a bit of a gap between, hey, I kind of like some things this kid does to, I want my name on him and I'm going to fight for him with my superiors. What was that moment if there was one? You know, I don't know if there was necessarily one moment. I think it's more, uh, especially his junior year. His senior year, we knew, hey, this is a guy we'd love to take. Um, but as a junior, I went into the season thinking, hey, this, you know, this guy's got a chance to be a, uh, you know, he's got a chance to be a draft this year. The more you went back to see him, the more you watched him play. He's the type of kid that really started to grow on you. Uh, and by the end of the year, I think I ended up throwing him in the seventh, eighth round somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to wow you. Again, some guys you walk in, you watch the VP, and you watch him take infield, outfield, and there's just this massive tool set. It's a big, big-bodied kid. He's, he's showing you plus raw power, plus arms. That wasn't the case when you walked in with Garrett. Again, you walk in, he's not terribly big. He's spraying the ball around the field. He takes a solid pregame, but nothing that's going to just blow you away. It's more the type of deal where you just watch him over the course of time, and as the season wears on, you're like, you know what? This guy's got a chance. 
obviously uh, you made the right assessment there. He was uh, able to come back and, and be a pick for you guys as a senior uh, in the seventh round and got out to, uh, excuse me, in the eighth round, um, signed for $100,000, not a lot of money, but clearly a, a worthy investment to get a big leaguer. You sign him, it's, it's a happy day. He goes out after he signs, um, hit for a little bit of average in his debut, went out to Lancaster, hit well. Like you mentioned, the question, well, there are a lot of questions, but um, in terms of just answering questions about his bat, you believed in it. Others were maybe less optimistic. His first full season, he goes out, gets up to double A, hits for average and power, really. He gets up uh, to double A and he hit 21 doubles, 10 home runs combined on the season, his first full year. How rewarding was that to see, you know, right off the bat, hey, you know, maybe I was, I was right that there is impact here in the bat. Right. No, that was, that was really good to see. I mean, that was obviously one of the questions heading in. I think also um, not only is that a testament to what Garrett was able to do strength-wise, but I think it's also a testament um, to our player development department. I think they were, to make, they were able to make some alterations to Garrett's swing to get him into more power. Um, but for him to have the immediate success like that with the bat, well, not necessarily immediate, but relatively quick, um, was maybe a bit surprising, um, but not a complete shock. Uh, and, and then going back to, to us signing him, you know, we, we signed him for $100,000 in the, in the eighth round. Not, it's not necessarily typical with senior signs, you know, inside, of, uh, inside the 10th round. A lot of times those guys get uh, less money than that, but I think it shows what uh, – us as a staff, as a whole, thought of Garrett that we were willing to give him as a senior, give him $100,000. And it's certainly, uh, like we mentioned, it, it's certainly uh, paying off pretty well. The ups and downs of a player's development, uh, it's just part of the game. And we mentioned that really good first full season in 2016. 2017 was less successful, uh, hit under 240, both AA, AAA. The power went down a little bit. He eventually did rebound in 2018, but as you're watching this, you know, 2016, everything looks great. 2017 kind of falls back down a little bit. 2018, it's back up on the high. Uh, how much con conversation uh, did you have with him just about, you know, staying level-headed and, and the tra travails of pro ball? I mean, what was that discussion like? You know, there weren't a whole lot of discussions as far as that, and I really didn't worry. I think there were some nicks and, and bumps here along the way in uh, in 2017 that may have you know hindered his bat ability a little bit. He got beat up a tick here and there, um, and you know, really, I thought it was just hey, he's moving relatively quick. He's you know he's been uh, he's been promoted rather quickly, and even though he did um, average wise and production wise. Uh, have a slight decline. He still was able to walk quite a bit. Uh, he was able to maintain the strikeout, his, his strikeout to walk ratio. Um, so he's still able to get himself on base and still able to be a contributor, although it didn't show necessarily with the average or the doubles or the home run production. Uh, and as far as Garrett goes, the mental piece of it with him, um, I've never really had any concerns with him getting down on himself. Um, he's a pretty mentally strong kid. He's a very confident kid. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's always been told, I'm sure he can't, uh, and he's out to prove everybody that, yes, I can, and he continues to do that. So as far as him having a down season, you know what? Everybody has him. I had no worries whatsoever that he would be able to handle it, and sure enough, he bounced back the following year and, and posted some solid numbers and was able to be added to our 40-man roster in the offseason. Yeah, I, I wrote a little story about that in spring training. You know, Obviously, the Astros have a tremendous amount of 
uh, talent on their roster, a lot of it young talent, and they only had three open 40-man roster spots this offseason. They made sure one of them went to Garrett. Um, just how rewarding was that for you, knowing that you know the organization sees a guy you picked as being worthy? And again, this isn't a, a last-place team that's just kind of cycling through guys trying to find a pick. I mean, the Astros are trying to contend, and they clearly felt that Garrett was someone who could help them in that endeavor. Yeah, no, it was it was outstanding. You know, I, I questioned whether or not he was going to be added to that forty man uh, roster. I was I was concerned. You know, certainly you sign a guy you want to get to the big leagues with the, with your own club. I was concerned that, that he may be left off just because we didn't have a whole lot of space available. And uh, you know, fortunately for all of us, uh, we we were able to add him to the uh, to the roster. And he's he's that perfect guy. You know, can Garrett be an everyday guy if he's given an opportunity? You know, he might be able to, but he is. We definitely know he is the perfect guy for what's taking place right now. You know, somebody goes down, uh, you bring him up, and he's able to plug that spot if need be. You know, hopefully he gets an opportunity down the road to be an everyday guy. But if not, he's got a chance to be a really good, uh, a really good backup in the major leagues. Absolutely, and we all know everyone always needs catching depth. One thing I did want to hit on with you, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, Garrett being a mentally strong kid, very confident kid. Makeup's important for anyone you scout, but catchers especially, makeup is so, so, so crucial. What did you see in him and his makeup that gave you the conviction that he would be able to do what he's done and, and handle the trials of, of catching up through the minors and into the major leagues? You just watch him play. Um, you, you can just watch him play and, and just see that, that, that he, he was extremely strong. Um, he was strong mentally. He's not, he was not only strong mentally, but uh, he was a grinder behind the plate. And then you sit there and you talk to him on the phone, uh, meet with him, and you can, you can just tell this kid's got the right mentality to go out there and succeed. And absolutely, well, that's exactly what he's done. He's gone out, he's succeeded, he's uh, turned himself into a big leaguer. Uh, Tim, congratulations once again, and thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Once again, that was Tim Caustic, the area scout who signed Garrett Stubbs. We want to move over now to Junie Melendez. Junie was an area scout for the Indians, uh, covered Indiana, Ohio, uh, other places in the Midwest uh, in the early part of this decade. And during that time, he signed Zach Plesak as a 12th rounder out of Ball State in 2016. Uh, Junie has now moved on. He's an international scouting coordinator for the Indians, but obviously he still uh, follows the players he signed to have made the big leagues. Catcher Eric Haas was his first one, followed up by relief pitcher Drew Rusinski, and now he's got Zach as his third one. Uh, Junie is kind enough to join us on the phone. Junie, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. And secondly, just what was it like for you when you heard that Zach got the call to the major leagues? Hey, Kyle, well, thank, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, with Kyle, when I heard, or with, uh, with Zach, when I heard that he got the call to the big leagues, obviously the first thing was just excitement uh, for him the organization for everyone involved with getting Zach there um, you know player development um, just just excitement because uh, I know how hard that kid has worked I knew what he had to overcome you know when he when we first drafted him he had to deal with a year of rehab because he had just uh, he had just had the Tommy John when we drafted him um, so just just excitement for the kid because I know how passionate he is I know how competitive he is and to know that he was going to get an opportunity in the big leagues was, uh, was something I couldn't have, I couldn't be more excited about. I want to go back to 2016. Uh, he enters that year, the nephew of former big leaguer Dan Plesek, obviously kind of a famous name, goes into that year with some high draft draft hopes, 
but his stuff was down throughout most of that season. He was kind of down to 87 to 90. And then he goes down uh, with an arm injury the final month that eventually turns into Tommy John. After seeing a guy who has struggled most of the year and then goes down with an injury, take us through that process of what did you see that still made you say, you know what, I want to draft this guy. I want to put my name on him and, and convince my supervisors that he should be drafted despite all of that. Well, the scouting process with Zach didn't start just in 2016. I mean, we had history going back to his senior year in high school when obviously – uh, covering the area, watching Ball State. You know, you got to see him as a freshman and a sophomore. So the, the scouting process didn't just start with that spring um, with him. And, and what you had with Zach was was just a, a premium athlete. Uh, there was, you know, there was football in his background and two-way duties uh, while he was at Ball State. Uh, so we had seen him better, obviously, than he had shown uh, that spring. Um, you know, that spring he was also doing some two-way duties. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything that we were concerned with that his stuff was down because we had seen him better than that. We obviously, we, you know, we saw an athlete with a good delivery and at times really good stuff uh, with the three-pitch mix for strikes. And, you know, we got to know the kid off the field as well, how passionate he was, his work ethic, and things like that. So when he came out that spring, maybe his stuff wasn't as great as he had maybe flashed in the past, but we had had enough history where we knew what he was capable of, what he had shown us in the past. So, um, you know, we weren't overly concerned with maybe a dip in his velocity uh, towards the end of that spring. You mentioned having that history just goes such a long way. It isn't just a one-year one look by any means with any of these guys. Uh, you mentioned you first saw him in high school. What were the first things that, that appealed to you? You talked about his athleticism a little bit, but uh, just what were your initial impressions of, of Zach Plesak as a high school senior? Well, a lot of the same things that you see today. I mean, not much has changed with Zach. It was, you know, he was always athletic, and you could see that on the mound. Uh, he was super competitive, but he was composed. He wasn't a guy who let his fiery emotions or his competitiveness get the better of him. Um, and I think you saw that the other day in, in, in Fenway. I mean, he was, you know, he was pumped when he got his first strike that you can kind of see him smack his glove, but then he got right back on the mound and was cool as a cucumber. Then he had 10-hour rain delay. Um, and, you know, to be that young and in your first start, to kind of keep your emotions in check um, and come back out. And even even the inning when he came back out, he, you know, got a leadoff double, had a run around third, I believe, with less than two outs and was able to get out of there with a the goose egg. And um, you could just tell, I mean, that, you know, a lot of those things that you saw on, on Tuesday, he's had those going back to his senior year in high school. Senior in high school, he shows you those ingredients. Um, obviously, uh, was someone that went on to college, did not uh, go out of the draft as a high schooler. He gets to college. Were you still keeping a close eye on him through his freshman, sophomore year? What's that process like in terms of keeping tabs on a guy you know you've had interest in uh, as he's an underclassman? Well, the focus is always going to be that year, that draft year, whether it's 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, you work year to year, but along the way, you have some crossover opportunities to see him. And I remember seeing him as a freshman at the University of Akron, um, some throw all three days. I mean, he was a guy that, I want to say his freshman year, he had just about the same amount of innings as a starter as he did as a reliever. 
to kind of give you an idea of the durability and the versatility uh, that he has. So you just kind of keep tabs along the way, and then you follow him a little bit more his senior year when you or his sophomore year when you have crossover opportunities again. Um, and that's basically how you keep tabs on him. It's not necessarily that you focus on a freshman when he's two years away, but you just, you know, you make note of when you do get an opportunity to see him and crossover opportunities. And I think that's what happened with Zach. And, you know, I wasn't the only one in the organization that had seen him. I mean, there were opportunities in the Cape uh, the summer before his junior year and just along the way in other matchups. So you mentioned you'd seen all these things that you really liked about him uh, going through high school and then um, just kind of watching him kind of progress in college. His junior year comes around. We mentioned the, inju the injury that eventually felled him and, and that his stuff had been down a little bit. At what point did you go from, you know, I kind of like this guy, there's some things to like, to I want to draft this guy, you know, I want my name on him, and I'm going to convince my superiors we should take him. When did that moment occur? Well, I think it started when I was finally able to do an in-home visit with the kid. Um, you know, that fall on campus, uh, got to meet with him, and you know, ironically uh, met with uh, one of his teammates at the time who later we acquired in the trade, Alex Call. But, um, but with Zach, man, there was just, there was an intense, there was an intensity about him. Um, and it came through when you, when you spoke to him. But not only that, he, he was a student of the game. Like, he, he was able to break down his delivery, break down his mechanics, and speak at a pretty high level. Um, and then, you know, you, you got to speak to other people, his coaches, former coaches, teammates, and everyone kind of had the same things to say about Zach. So that's kind of when the pounding of the table, so to speak, started. That, you know, you saw that you saw what he was capable of doing on the field and then what you saw off the what you were able the information you were able to gather off the field um, just did nothing but strengthen that um, desire to, you know, to someday Adam is, is part of the organization. Um, that's when I would say, you know, it all really started. Um, you know, the draft, the final draft preparations come around, draft day approaches. How much convincing did you have to do to your superiors to take a kid who, for all the, the history you guys had, was still someone who was about to have Tommy John surgery or had just had Tommy John surgery? I don't know if we had to do a lot of convincing. Um, they knew along the way my feelings uh, about Zach and others that had seen him also had similar you know, similar feelings. Um, there, like I said, there wasn't a lot of convincing that had to go on. It was, you know, the tricky situation of when to take them because of the injury situation. Um, but whether or not we wanted to or any level of having to convince, you know, um, the organization to take them, I don't think that had to happen. I don't think that happened. It was just a matter of when we felt comfortable pulling the trigger, so to speak. And when the organization's comfortable pulling the trigger, but as the area scout, your job is also to talk to the kid, gauge his signability. Uh, he ultimately was picked in the 12th round and signed for $100,000. Um, how much, what was that process like? Because there's been some cases where guys get hurt and they want to go back to school and try and do more to improve their draft stock. How, how did those discussions kind of unfold? His desire to, to go out and start a professional career was never an issue with Zach. I mean, he... He was ready to go. Um, he knew that that was what was best for him. And um, so there was really no 
that was a very simple conversation. Hey, you ready to go? Um, this is this is an opportunity, and he didn't need to be convinced. Um, he, he he jumped at the opportunity, even with the the current situation. I think he felt actually that it would be better um, to get in a pro environment, to get with you know our training staff, our rehab staff, and 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 get to be familiar with all of them, so that once he was ready to, you know, to get back, he could hit the ground running as opposed to sitting out, having to go to back to school and not throwing again till who knows when, March, April, um, and then having to, you know, go through that draft process again. I think he he was ready uh, both physically and, and, and mentally for that opportunity, and there's really no, no need to convince that. Absolutely, and clearly uh, looks like he made the right decision, uh, as did you guys, to, to pull the trigger. Uh, obviously did not play that draft year 2016, came back 2017, uh, did well in the lower levels 2018, uh, showed the durability was back and put together a full season with uh, 122 uh, and two-thirds innings at Lynchburg. Last year, I got to double-A as well, I should say, so another 22 innings after that. Um, he was a guy that came up this year. I was just, you know, talking to some evaluators um, who have Indians organization coverage and just asked, hey, you know, is there anyone who's under the radar and not normally on prospect lists who's, who's really opening your eyes? And Zach Plesak's name came back to me in a millisecond. Um, and just talking to evaluators, I mean, they were seeing 93-95, touching 96, above average changeup, uh, you know, average curveball. I mean, it, it was interesting hearing that and going back and reading the draft report, which was 87 to 90, changeup was average, breaking ball well below average. It seemed like everything just jumped up in scouting parlance, a full grade or almost two in some cases. Um, did you see this level of improvement was possible with Zach, especially given his athleticism? I don't know if I necessarily saw you know, mid, uh, you know, mid nineties fastball from him and increased in all the other areas that you spoke of. But, you know, going back to like our, our initial conversation about him, he's a tremendous athlete. And at the time, whether he was in high school or college, he was pulling a lot of two way duties. So once, you know, not having to swing a bat or track down fly balls or any of that, once his concentration was just on the mound, and then he continued to get stronger, and you know, and just that athleticism remained. It's not a shock to say I, you know, predicted I'd be lying, um, but it, it's not a shock because of all those other intangibles that he has. Yeah, it is interesting. There is a growing number of players who were two-way guys in college when they just focus on one. Everything really starts to pop, particularly on the mound. And looks like Zach is the latest of those guys. Um, he goes through through this process. Uh, you mentioned getting the call. Uh, you know his first start in Fenway Park against the defending champions. You mentioned some of the elements he had to deal with. Uh, came out of it five and a third innings, four hits, one earned. Uh, obviously, it's exciting to see him reach the major leagues, and here he's getting the call. But seeing him have the success he did against the team he did and the circumstances he did, uh, just what was that emotion, that feeling like for you? It was a different type of nervousness that I had watching any other Indians game because he was the first guy that, you know, that technically that, you know, that I signed um, to throw a pitch for the Indians. So it was a little bit of, it was a different kind of nervousness um, watching him. Um, and then 
then you know then I remembered what he was and you know I, you know he's a competitor and then the composure he showed I I just you know just it reminded me of what he was and why I liked him in the first place and it was just it was fun to watch him go about his business and and just watch his demeanor and his you know antics if you will on the mound um excited but not surprised because that that's that's what he's always been absolutely well uh Obviously, the Indians hope uh, to see more outings like that from Zach, and uh, we look forward to seeing the rest of his career play out. Uh, Junie, thank you again so, so much for joining us, and uh, congrats again on signing a big leaguer. You bet. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks. Once again, that was Indians international scouting coordinator Junie Melendez, who signed Zach Plesek back when he was an area scout. Once again, we really want to just thank Tim Caustic and Junie Melendez for taking the time to join us. It's always fun to hear about uh, the journeys of these players as they uh, become big leaguers and where it all starts and what the area scouts saw them uh, back when it all began. And uh, we'll have many more of these stories sure to come out of the draft in a few days. And we all look forward to seeing what happens in both Garrett's career and uh, Zach's career and all the careers yet to come. Uh, for Tim Caustic and Junie Melendez, I'm Kyle Glazer. This has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.